On Fridays from 1 till 2 p.m., prepare to get your jeans dirty. Join me, Bobby the Badger Ferris, for the greasier side of rock and roll, rhythm and blues, and country. From Hank to the helicopters, from Otis to the Oblivions, it's the perfect way to slither into your weekend. We won't talk about the habits, just the music and the man. That's the barn burner every Friday from 1 till 2 p.m. only on CITR 101.9. Today on the Arts Report, release parties for musicians Wendy Norman, Mississippi Live, and David Newberry, the book Spiritual Teachings of the Avatar, short film Monster, and hip-hop artist Fallen Soldier. Hello, and welcome to the Arts Report for June 16th, 2010. Uh, you are listening to us either on the air at 101.9 FM or online at citr.ca. Uh, we have a very, very packed show. Last week I was joking that it, that it was a big show because I had a lot of paper. Well, today I have at least double, if not triple, the stack of paper. I, I'm really destroying the earth with, with the arts report, and it's, it's tragic, but awesome at the same time. Um, I literally just flew into the studio. I just jumped in here from uh, the dress rehearsal to the Turning Point Ensemble's uh, production of Imprint, which is over at uh, SFU Woodward's over on Hastings Street, the new uh, Woodward's building. And uh, I can tell you, man, it looked uh, beautiful. The, the Faye and Milton Wong Experimental Theatre uh, has, for the first time since uh, the building has been finished, been turned um, into, I believe it's in-the-round in style. If I'm, if I'm not wrong, it's where you have the seats on, on three sides of uh, the stage, so you can sit anywhere around. And then on the, the fourth side was the orchestra, and then the artists were in front of them, and it was the first time that they had uh, arranged the seating that way, and uh, it was really quite beautiful. And um, so it's really something to see. And uh, the the portion I wasn't able to stay for all of it, but the, the portion that uh, I saw also included um, uh, the work uh, by Rudolf Komaros called Minx, uh, and it featured Phoebe McRae, who is a tenor, or sorry, soprano. And she sang absolutely uh, beautifully from the first note. I was just just blown off, blown out of my socks. And it was great. And um, we will have tickets, uh, two more tickets to give away to that uh, show, which begins next uh, Thursday, I believe, is the opening. And we have two tickets to give away on the show. Not right now. Don't, don't call yet. But uh, at one point during the show today, I will just uh, give out the phone number and say, call me right now. So you, you should be ready with your phone because uh, last week uh, Maya uh, called in uh, as soon as I had given the last digit of the phone number and she was already dialing. So you really have to move uh, quickly. All right. Well, now uh, today's show will feature the following. Um, we have a lot of musicians today, including uh, Wendy Norman. She has a new disc coming out called Reasons for the Waiting. 
And we also have the short film called Monster, which I had a chance to go on the set of and see them uh, film it, which was fun. And um, that's part of a film contest that um, happens every year at the Celluloid Social Club. And they're actually doing the contest again. So if you want, if you are a person who has a script or wants to write a short film script and have it made for free, then uh, please keep listening because uh, next year's production, um, the contest is, is just, the deadline is coming up uh, in just a few days. So you still have a chance to have your film made. And uh, let's see what else we have here. We have hip-hop artist Fallen Soldier, which will be playing on the 19th at the Cobalt um, as part of Move, Move the Mountain Tour. I may get that wrong. I'll, I'll fix that later. But it's part of uh, CITR, I think, is sponsoring the, the tour. And so uh, Nick Panu has an has a interview with him. We also have a very interesting book called Spiritual Teachings of the Avatar. And it's um, connected, I guess you could say, to the movie Avatar. Uh, writer Jeffrey Armstrong has written a book that uh, goes into the detail of the sort of spiritual underpinnings of the film and explains what uh, Avatar, what the word means, and, and sort of the, the, the roots and symbolism of it. And uh, we'll have that. And then we also have uh, some more musicians. We have Mississippi Live, um, and as well as David Newberry, who together will be doing a release launch uh, fiesta on the 17th, which is tomorrow. So as... As you can hear, uh, it's a very, very packed show, so we should just uh, get into it. So, first off, we have Wendy Norman, who, by day, is the SFU Student Development Leadership uh, Initiative uh, leader, leader, coordinator, person. But by, by night, she's also an alt-country folk singer. And she's very excited to be releasing her new disc called The Reasons for the Waiting. She came in studio and told me all about it, and she explained her hatred of uh, high school. She also self-identified as, uh, uh, what was it, bi bi-coastal. She is a self-identified bi-coastal woman. She'll explain what that means. And uh, will tell us how the release will be like an old-fashioned hootenanny, in her own words. So let's have a listen to that as soon as of course the uh, computer warms up yep there it goes Wendy Norman hello hello thanks for being here my pleasure all right so you've got a new disc coming out uh, this Saturday I do tell us about the um, I guess the release party is that what you'd call it yes it will be a party um, <laughs> it's going to be at the Russian Hall, which is uh, in Strathcona. It's on Campbell, just off of Hastings Street. So it's kind of an unusual venue. It's a community hall. So it's got that kind of community feel to it. Um, we got a liquor license. It's it's going to be a bit of a, an old-fashioned hootenanny, I think. <laughs> um, my, my disc is called Reasons for the Waiting, and uh, I usually play, I do singer-songwriter stuff. It's kind of an alt-country vibe. And um, it'll be my first time playing with a full band, so there'll be banjo and mandolin and upright bass. Now, you describe your sound as alt-country folk. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> if you think about, I guess, some of my influences, like um, Sarah Harmer, um, 
Lucinda Williams, um, Gillian Welsh, that kind of, it's almost sort of, I also sort of think of it as got a little bit of a Dust Bowl kind of Americana vibe to it mm. as well. Um, but it's also very, tra- there's some definite traditional folk kind of structures to my song as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and reasons for the waiting. Um, why that title and why the word the there? Why not reasons for waiting? <laughs> what does that the add to it? Um, I think, I think waiting's a bit of a theme in my music. Just that sense of kind of almost like a bit of ambiguity that um, just in life in general, kind of feeling like, where am I trying to get to and why? And, and then reminding myself, it's, there's a lot of beauty in just sitting around and looking at where you are and where you're sitting. And I, I kind of, uh, there's a line in one of my songs that, that says, um, between covers lie the reasons for the waiting, uh, which doesn't necessarily make sense out of context of the song. So that's where the, the title comes from. And I, I sort of picture uh, myself when I wrote this song kind of at a train station in the prairies and the, I've missed the train. Um, and I'm pissed off because I want to get wherever I'm going and then just sort of looking around me and seeing that it's actually really quite gorgeous where I am and just hanging out. So, hmm. yeah. Now, I understand that you've lived on both coasts of Canada. Yes. And then you mentioned the prairies. Uh, yes. Tell me, how does that play into your music, your, your sort of geographical experience? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of bi-coastal, I guess. <laughs> I grew up in Vancouver on the West Coast. Uh, then I actually went to UBC um, for my undergrad. Then I moved to Halifax and stayed there for eight years. Um, and my mom's from the Maritimes. Um, and so certainly in terms of musical traditions, um, I feel like the Maritimes are kind of woven into some of my songs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the West West Coast and the ocean and, and um, uh, sort of also the sort of landscape of Canada is very inspirational to me. Um, yeah. On your website, you wrote, In high school home, economics was a welcome reprieve from the regurgitated material in other classes, a feature of the school system that exacerbated my adolescent misery. <laughs> That's a great sentence. <laughs> Tell us about that. Oh, I hated high school. <laughs> passionately. Um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, never enjoyed learning in a formal sense. Um, I always really struggled with it. Um, I hated being told, you know, what to think and, and, and how to re- reproduce that. Um, and uh, home ec was kind of like the one class where I felt like I was actually learning stuff that I could use outside of school um, and just kind of felt more like that experience of kind of creating something and doing something mm-hmm. um, was way more appealing to me than just uh, sitting in a classroom and oh I just I just felt trapped the whole time mm-hmm. I was in high school and I went to high school in Point Grey um, and I remember like looking out over at the North Shore Mountains and just sort of fantasizing about the day that I would fly away <laughs> over those <laughs> mountains and get out of here. And you have a, a section in your website called Home Economics. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Yeah, it's kind of like a bit of a blog. Um, at my live shows, I, I get a lot of feedback from, from fans that um, they really enjoy my my in-between song banter as well as my music. And just I tell a lot of stories about where my songs come from and some of the things that have just kind of randomly inspired songs mm. um, that may not be obvious when you just listen to the song. And uh, so I thought it would be cool to create a section on my website for people who are 
interested in hearing more about that stuff. Um, so it's sort of the space where I, I put up a recipe of the month um, there. So that's the home ec connection. And also um, just kind of write about where some of my ideas are coming from. And I, I love home. I love the idea of home. I like making home. I like nesting. Um, I do all my songwriting usually from my sofa or in my kitchen. And so um, it sort of seemed like an appropriate place for that. Hmm. And uh, as, a, as a last question, um, in a recent interview with uh, SFU News, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you commented that afterward that sarcasm and irony do not always translate. Would you like to set the record straight? What was the offending incident? Well, that was a funny experience because I was talking to a media person who um, I think, you know, was very, took everything I said very literally. And so she was asking me, you know, what are some of the themes in your music? And I just, you know, I have a song about bears, that, you know, and I, and I, so I'm like, oh, you know, bears and <laughs> time comes up a lot in my songs. So I said, oh, time, it's such a tricky bastard. And, you know, and she also asked me, you know, like, what, how do you, you know, how, how have you, f I don't know if she said, how have you funded your album or sort of like, how have you done this? And I just sort of said, sarcastically, mm -hmm. like, let's make that clear. <laughs> um, Oh, you know, some people have homes and some people have cars, some people have kids. I have an album. And that somehow came out in the article as um, like that I gave up my, you know, palatial mansion on the beach and sold my firstborn in order to make an album, <laughs> which is not true. <laughs> it is possible to balance these things. But um, so I was I thought it was pretty funny how that ended up coming out in the article. But. Yeah, I felt a little misrepresented. <laughs> mm. Well, I hope you don't feel misrepresented today. So far, I think it's helpful <laughs> that I'm talking. <laughs> and that's not just being written out. Mm -hmm. But I still really appreciated them doing that feature. And I wasn't very experienced at interviews either. So I take partial responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thanks very much. No problem. Thank you. So Wendy Norman will be at the Russian Hall on June the 19th. That's a Saturday at 8 p.m. Doors open at 7.30. Ticket prices are $15. And you can get the tickets at wendynorman.ca, which is also the lovely website where you can see her recipes and blog uh, entries in her home economics page. Uh, here is Wendy Norman uh, with the song North Shore Lights. This hook, and I'm truly horrible. 
shows in New York and L.A., Vancouver's own 22nd Century return to town at The Cellar on June 17th, featuring rock and roll veterans Dwayne Chaos, Tim Plummer, and Zippy Pinhead. This will be guaranteed to be a fist-pounding great time. Be sure to stay tuned to CITR for free ticket giveaway. 22nd Century, June 17th at The Cellar, 1006 Granville Street. Doors open at 5. All right, we're back. The Hotshot Shorts contest allows filmmakers and writers to submit their short scripts for a shot at getting it made. Past winners have had their films play at numerous film festivals and win top prizes. Monster won last year's annual Hotshot Shorts contest, which is geared towards providing sponsorship to uh, sponsorship support. Excuse me to an exceptional short film script that might not otherwise have the opportunity to be created. With over $20,000 in-kind services and cash donations from the Vancouver film community, the contest also gives 100% of its proceeds to the filmmaker for costs inevitably incurred in production. Monster uh, will was directed by Deborah Burns Johnson, and a few weeks ago I was invited over to the set to see the film get made. And I did drive over to Pitt Meadows on a sort of what started out as a rainy, miserable day and turned out to be uh, a really spectacular one to this kind of tucked away corner of Pitt Meadows where lakes, beautiful glittering lakes, give way to soaring mountains. I'm, I'm not making this up. And a little dusty road sort of meanders around the water and fields and mountains to a little army camp, or what seems like a little army camp, but is actually uh, a film crew. Uh, dozens of uh, volunteers from uh, Vancouver's film industry, um, you know, top, top professionals who gave up their long weekend to help make uh, this film. So uh, I spoke to Deborah Burns Johnson on the set of Monster, and she told me a little bit about uh, what the film is about and uh, the process that led to her film being made. All right, well, thanks for taking the time to uh, speak with me. And uh, I guess we'll just start with um, the film. What um, can you tell us? What can you tell us about uh, the story and what it's about? Uh, that's a good question. It's um, about a community that's being terrorized by a monster, and the only way to appease him is to send him an offering. So randomly, different people are chosen to go up into the woods, and mostly he doesn't do anything. They've never seen him. They don't know who he is, and they just go up there, drop something off, and they leave, and it works out just fine. But with um, the character in this story, she does her own thing, and it doesn't work out quite the same way. And I understand that the, the film has a sort of post-apocalyptic setting. Is that true? Yeah, I guess it's set in the future. So uh, 
you don't really see that here, but later on in the in the story when we're not in this location, you you see that there's some things that that feel more like you you were you're uh, how do you say it? Um, you're led to believe that it's uh, time, maybe one two hundred years in the future. So it's not like that, you know, like. What was that movie, The Road, where everything's right. like sad and bleak? It's more like everyone's recovered and they're doing their thing, but there's this one element that remains. Uh-huh. And is that the monster? Yeah, you could say so. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see the film. I guess, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, how did you hear about the the contest, and 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 how did it it happen from from beginning to to being here on set? Well, I'm. I go to the Celluloid Social Club and I on their Facebook or whatever. So I saw that they were posting their annual competition for Hot Shots, and I decided that this year I had just written this script just like two weeks before, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just throw it in, you know. And I was going to shoot it like totally, um, just very small. And anyways, I because I, I really liked the script, and uh, just did a total no budget type thing. And but I put it in, and then. A lot of things actually happen, and I kind of forgot that I, t- I had submitted, and and then I got this email. It's like you have been shortlisted, and I was like, oh my god, I guess that means I gotta do something. <laughs> so then there was um, a pitch after yeah. that. So five of us were selected to go in and pitch. Yeah. Was- and what was that like? Did I, I'm assuming that the people who is it a sort of a closed uh, pitch or yeah, are there was invited- uh, the hot shot judges and those. Uh, few people that have a bit more, um, I guess, credit, like, that people generally know, like Carl Bosai and Zach Lepowski. So it was kind of a mix of people that I had heard of before and people that were more, like, um, behind-the-scenes producers, writers, or um, that type of thing. But all together, it looked like there was about 14 people at a table. So, and they, Intimidating. They, yeah, and they didn't crack one bit of a smile or anything. They were very serious. So super intimidating. So, yeah, yeah. So, and they were just firing questions at me left, right, and center. So it was a little intimidating. But you survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, everyone else that came out before us was laughing, so I wasn't expecting, you know, someone would go in and pitch, and they'd come out, and they'd be like, oh, that was great. Right. <laughs> and we went in, and it was just like, ooh, this panel of real serious faces. Uh-huh. We weren't laughing. <laughs> there was, and we could hear laughing in the room when right. other people were pitching. So, yeah. It made me think and realize that they were taking me seriously, though. Mm. And, yeah, which was probably not the nicest thing to think but i realized that they were asking me a lot of questions because they really really wanted to know so yeah and and they went with it yeah yeah tell me just a little bit about the the process that went into putting together the film because um you know there's everybody here is volunteering their time yeah and it's an interesting process i started off by working with uh, another producer and she knew jodell ferlin and uh uh, John Joffin, who's a DOP, and those those two have a lot of connections, and they also have a lot of people that, well, John especially, all I think most of the crew is here, like all the the gaffers, the grips, and all that. They're here because they want to work with John, and we also he had enough connections that we were able to get a lot more equipment and all that for uh, a donation. I mean, we got a lot of donations through Hot Shots, but. We got more because of him and his connections. So, yeah, it kind of just started getting bigger and bigger, and mm-hmm. which is which is fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, yeah, and other people are you know interested in Jodell and working with her. So I th- I think that people felt like it was pretty good um, 
And how is uh, she doing? How's she doing in, in the part so oh, far? Oh, amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. She's every, All the actors are doing a really great job. Um, it's, yeah, coming along really smoothly. Mm-hmm. She's, um, she's already receiving a lot of acclaim. Like, uh, she's nominated for last year's um, yes. Hotshot film. Yes. Um, what do you think uh, is it about her that, um, that makes her such a good actress? She's just really natural in front of the camera. And she um, can, she just, I don't know, she has like a little sparkle about her. She's just, I don't know, some people I think just have that in front of the camera. It's just mm-hmm. a natural. Charisma. Yeah, of. yeah. And, you know, she just seems like a regular kid when you see her walking around set. But yeah, when you see her on camera and everything, it's really quite magical. Right. Thanks a lot for speaking with me. Thanks. As you heard there, Jodell Furland is the star of the film Monster. She's appeared in such films as Terry Gilliam's Tideland, Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital, and Silent Hill. If you remember, uh, there were posters all over the city featuring uh, a little girl with no mouth, just eyes and a nose and just cheeks. And uh, that was a a horror film, obviously. And um, Jodell was also involved in, in last year's Hot Shots uh, film, and that film called Everything's Coming Up Rosie, uh, she earned a nomination, a Leo Award nomination for that film. The Leos were just held recently, and uh, she was, um, she's not, I think she's 16, or she's almost 16, and already in her, her short life, she has received uh, many accolades and has a, a burgeoning career and uh, is uh, a local, a local girl. And her next role uh, will be in the Twilight Saga film Eclipse, and she will play the character Brie. Uh, apparently, Stephanie Meyer is writing her next novel about the, this character, Brie. It will be called The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner. And for the making of the film, uh, Jodell was uh, offered a very, very uh, privileged uh, exclusive look at uh, the book, which is uh, still unpublished. Uh, but as you can imagine, with all the hoopla around uh, Twilight, it, uh, it was a, there was extreme secrecy around it. And in fact, as soon as she had finished reading it, the book had to be uh, ritualistically uh, burned. It had to be set ablaze right there on the set in a, in a bucket so that no one could ever find it. So I also spoke to Jodell uh, about this film, uh, monster and uh, the part that she plays in it. So tell me about uh, the part that you play and um, who is it and, and what happens to her. I play Hannah and she is picked to bring a sacrifice to this monster in the village. And most people just bring the sacrifice and walk away, but Hannah's not very smart, so things don't go exactly as they should. And that's all you can give away, right? Yeah, that's all I can tell you. Right. Fair enough. Um, tell me about, uh, you've been involved in this um, this project, this contest, uh, last year as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the film was, um, or sorry, you were nominated for um, Alio for Best Female. How, did, um, how does that feel? I haven't even been to, like, it hasn't happened yet, yeah. so. But to be nominated. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty cool. I've been nominated for a Leo before, so... Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, and also a daytime Emmy, is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was nominated for an Emmy when I was four, 
So what, that does that count any less? A long time ago. <laughs> but uh, it was really cool, even when I was really young. I was mm -hmm. excited about that. And you've been working in, in film since you were two, is that right? Mm -hmm. You know, so you've, you've been at it since you were two years old, and you know, you've ar you're already getting accolades and, um, and nominations for things. What do you think is, uh, is the key to a good performance? Hmm, the key to a good performance. Um, I don't know. I mean, really, you just have to stay focused and you can't get, you know, really easily distracted by everything and you've got to really pay attention and think about the character that you're playing. Mm -hmm. um, now, you've landed uh, the role of Brie in Twilight. Mm -hmm. do you, do you, are you a fan of Twilight? Yeah, I've read I've read the books and I've seen the movie and I thought they were both awesome. So I was really excited that I was able to be in the third movie. And are you surprised by the amount of secrecy that was required? Because I understand you had a chance to look at um, Stephanie Meyer's latest book and then it had to be burned as soon as you read it. Is that, <laughs> is that true? Well, I think that's kind of to be expected with the whole Twilight thing. I was... I was expecting that I would have to keep a lot of secrets if I was going to be involved with it. And did it help to know? Did it help to, to get that insight, deeper insight to the character? Yeah, it really helped to be able to read the book first so that I could know more about Bree. Great. All right. Thanks very much for your time. You're welcome. And that was Jodell Ferland. So, now, you have an opportunity to have your film made just like Deborah Burns-Johnson is now making Monster. You can submit a script up to 10 pages long. It doesn't matter if you've submitted one in previous years. You can do so again and, and uh, submit the same script. Um, then, from all the entries, five scripts will be selected to be read at a special cold reading series in the summer. The writer will form a team of crew and cast and then pitch to the panel of judges. The winner will be announced shortly after with production to commence at a time convenient for all, but with the stipulation that there will be enough time to submit to the 2011 Toronto and Vancouver International Film Festivals. So, the deadline has been extended to next Wednesday, June 23rd. 2010, and I believe the price is $55, uh, $55. So if you want more information about this, you can go to celluloidsocialclub.com or Google Celluloid Social Club if your spelling isn't great for celluloid. Maybe just Google it. Let, uh, let Google fix your spelling and uh, check out the website, and they have full information there. All right, and we'll be right back. Are you a UBC student taking first-year economics, math, chemistry, or physics? That stuff is hard. Are you feeling like you need some tutoring? That's okay, because the AMS offers free and appointment tutoring for students in these subjects. Whoa! How does it work? It's on a first-come, first-served basis, and there's no need to sign up. Just show up with your books and your questions. Whoa! When does it happen? Monday to Thursday from 3 to 7 at the Sub Pacific Spirit Cafeteria, located beside the Starbucks. Whoa! A plus, here I come. All right, Arts Report. Con uh, well, first of all, let me just say you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. This is the Arts Report. 
And uh, next we have Nick Panu's uh, special on the hip hop artist Fallen Soldier. Uh, Fallen Soldier, aka Harris Allen. His quote, an exemplary singer-songwriter specializing in hard-hitting beats and genre-mixing tracks with inventive lyrics and unique vocals, says A&E Vibe. And, um, yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you more about that, about him and uh, where, you'll able, where you will be able to uh, see him perform after Nick Panu tells us more. Listeners, right now we're on the line with Harris Allen, a.k.a. Fallen Soldier. Just released Above the Call of Duty uh, last year, and I've uh, been getting a lot of hits, a lot of people listening online and has been uh, charting. I've been getting a lot of play in uh, college radio. Things are really taking off. Harris, getting ready for your uh, upcoming tour, uh, the Fallen Soldier and Move the Mountains tour for uh, this June, where you you start your tour in uh, Alberta. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're starting out in Lethbridge, and uh, and we're going Lethbridge, Calgary, Edmonton, and then we're doing a BC leg, which is Nanaimo, Victoria, and Vancouver as well. You must be uh, really excited about this tour. Yeah, for sure. I'm always excited to play live, and this should be an awesome tour between uh, a few hip-hop groups and myself, and uh, should be pretty good. The night you play uh, in Vancouver, that the Saturday of uh, the 19th at the Cobalt. Cobalt. Uh, it'll be myself, Dragonfly Empire, Justin Brave, and the Groundbreakers. The event's being sponsored by uh, Zulu uh, Zulu Records. Beat Street and uh, Van City skateboards, and uh, it's gonna. Oh uh, be- yeah, let me let me go over that because um, the it's the whole tour is sponsored by Kerf Music, which is a digital music download site online from Alberta. They're sponsoring the whole tour as well as Beatroot Magazine and Circa, which is a skateboard company, and CITR. So they're all Beatroot, Circa, CITR, and Kerf Music are sponsoring the whole tour. Um, and then in Vancouver, we also have Vancy Skateports, Beat Street Records, and you can buy tickets at Zulu Records. Yes, yeah, so we got lots of uh, sponsorship and uh, word up to all the sponsors. It's good to get some support for these events because I think we're doing a good thing for Canadian hip hop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, before we get into that uh, the whole scene uh, abroad uh, well i say abroad it's just just right next to us but sometimes it seems like that because uh the rockies that separate us totally which was i mean <laughs> our whole idea with the tour was that you know there's the mountains that separate uh the two hip-hop communities between alberta and bc and so you know move the mountains tour came from that idea of metaphorically moving the mountains so that we can uh put on a good hip-hop tour kind of slow to catch on but yeah metaphorically it just makes sense moved the mountains your uh, album above the call of duty released last year yeah i've been getting a lot of great reviews you're actually in a s- studio right now working on some new beats and on this tour you're gonna be uh well of course playing uh tracks from 
your album, but also the new beats that you you are working on right now and have been for the last couple of months. Yeah, exactly. On this tour, I'm basically uh, it's you know I'm going to do like about six tracks from my debut album, and I'm also introducing four new tracks, which will most likely be on my second record, and uh, I'll be playing the four songs live. And so I'm currently in the studio just uh, finishing up those tracks so that I can debut them on the tour. And uh, and hopefully in the future I'll, I'll be giving the track away for free for everyone to download. Oh okay. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just working uh, in the studio and and uh, cooking up those tracks. For artists, the art that the music is always evolving and changing. How has some of your experiences or maybe your outlook kind of been uh, kind of channeled through? Uh, the whole creative process of what you're working on now has your music do you notice the change the is, is a little bit or kind of substantial in the direction you're going now with your music these new tracks i think uh well one thing i learned you know from playing live and and playing above the call of duty live was how all the songs translate to a live performance so i definitely now have that to draw on as far as you know my next album or my next batch of songs that I'm doing so I, I definitely like consciously made a decision you know how the songs translate to live performance and so I know that you know I, when I did Bub the Call of Duty I hadn't toured or played it live right so it was just what I wanted to do in the studio now I've got an idea of how you know certain songs can translate to live performance so I've definitely drawn on that idea and and you know thought okay well how can I make these songs the best for live performance as well as for the album? I always just go from what I'm feeling at the time, but as far as you know choosing songs for the live set, it'll be I'll have more to draw on and and I think the new songs are kind of they've they've evolved from my original sound, but they're still you know they they could have been on above the Call of Duty and. You return to Vancouver and will be playing at the Cobalt June 19th. Listeners, we were just talking to Harris Allen, a.k.a. Fallen Soldier. You can uh, check out uh, his MySpace or his Facebook. Uh, there's uh, information on how to get your hands on uh, his album that re was released last year, Above the Call of Duty, and uh, information on how to pick up that uh, free track that uh, he will be giving away to download. Harris, uh, congratulations on how everything is going and how your music is, uh, the new music that is coming out. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Definitely my pleasure. And um, just one more thing I wanted to add was that uh, my first album, Above the Call of Duty, if you come to the Cobalt on June 19th for the show and you're one of the first 50 people through the door, Kerf Music, which is sponsoring the whole tour, is giving away three albums for free for download for the first 50 people who come through the door. Oh, so you wow. can get my album free if you come to that show and you're one of the first 50 people. Yeah, listen, so you don't want to miss that opportunity being one of the first 50 and uh, you can get your hands on a uh, free CD. Three, three free CDs, and it includes my CD. 
Wow, uh, what a what a bargain! That's uh, June 19th at the Cobalt. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Definitely, my pleasure, man. I appreciate it, and uh, hope to see you there. more informed to find it on my own. This won't be the only storm. It's the first of many, but I'll keep my head up, steady and ready. All right, so you can see Fallen Soldier at the Cobalt as part of Move the Mountains Tour 2010, which CITR is a sponsor of. Uh, tickets are $10, doors open at 9 p.m., and that's Saturday, June the 19th at the, uh, the Cobalt. We'll be right back with the book Spiritual Teachings of the Avatar, and we'll also give away those tickets, uh, two tickets to imprint next week. We'll be right back. Are you a UBC student taking first-year economics, math, chemistry, or physics? That stuff is hard. Are you feeling like you need some tutoring? That's okay, because the AMS offers free and appointment tutoring for students in these subjects. Whoa! How does it work? It's on a first-come, first-served basis, and there's no need to sign up. Just show up with your books and your questions. Whoa! When does it happen? Monday to Thursday from 3 to 7 at the Sub Pacific Spirit Cafeteria, located beside the Starbucks. Whoa! A plus, here I come. All right, there is a new book coming out next week called Spiritual Teachings of the Avatar by author Jeffrey Armstrong, who has studied Vedic knowledge for 30 years and is now uh, giving us this book about, um, the, about Indian spirituality and in particular avatars. And there is a very strong link between um, what he's writing about, spirituality from, from India, uh, and the film uh, Avatar. Uh, for example, the link, if you remember from the film, where they would, the Navi would link themselves to their, um, oh boy, what did you call those, uh, dragon, flying dragon beast uh, animals, um, that is uh, very much connected to Indian spirituality and the idea of, of, of making a connection to, to nature and to, um, to the spirit. Um, and uh, and the list uh, goes on of 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 connections between the two. And uh, so very quickly, Jeffrey Armstrong he started this book in January, and it's uh, already uh, not only finished, but uh, not only going to print, but it has already sold out of its first run, and is now there's another printing of another twenty five thousand copies, and it has been the book has been picked up all over the world including in particular Germany, which is a massive, massive book market. They, are, um, they love to read in Germany. And it is coming out there uh, in a few weeks. Uh, and it's also being picked up in uh, Japan, uh, in France, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So I spoke to Jeffrey Armstrong, and he explained to me what uh, the word avatar means, uh, both in terms of what it means to us and, and what it originally meant, and um, tells us about uh, the book. What is the way that most people are familiar with the word avatar today? The current use of it has been somebody acting on my behalf, like in a computer game, if I create a character and I control the character, the character is my avatar. Mm -hmm. Like Jake Sully in the movie had another body that he could go back and forth between. Mm -hmm. 
course, what they were really teaching there is reincarnation. Mm. Because they were showing that you can go back and forth between the two bodies. So the question is, who does? Mm -hmm. Who goes back and forth? So who does? Us, the real person. Which means we're not the body. Uh So if you follow that, then the body's a vehicle. Mm -hmm. And we're the driver. We're not the body. Mm-hmm. So if we're not the body, then who are we? Okay. Mm. So this is why when the avatar, they greet each other and say, I see you. Mm-hmm. In India, they say namaste, which means I see you. I see the real you, the driver of the car. Mm. And not the body, not the physical Not the body or the mind. Because the mind that. is still just the uh, l- electrical system by which you drive the vehicle. But it's the stereo and the electronics inside the vehicle and its guidance mm-hmm. system and a GPS but that's still not the driver. So then what is the driver? What is the, the root of and it all? That's the question. <laughs> well, the question of yoga, the question the avatars come to answer, mm-hmm. the question that the indigenous people were asking mm-hmm. is, are we more than the obvious? Mm-hmm. Are we more than just the skin? Are we more than just a body that ages and dies? Do we keep going on a journey somewhere else when they tow our car away? Do we get another one? And then after that, what happens? These are avatar questions. Okay. Now, it's a, uh, I read that you studied Vedic knowledge for 40 years. Tell me about that. Yeah, and studied in this case means practiced because uh, the idea that you're a scholar and you stand away from something and just study it is a more Western academic viewpoint. Mm. So I've done both. I've studied it intensely for 40 years from teachers from India and also practiced it intensely for that 40 years so that it's firsthand realized knowledge. And now I teach it full-time is the only thing that I do mm-hmm. in life is travel the world uh, teaching that knowledge to empower people because we need empowered people right now mm-hmm. who can stand on their own and maintain themselves and do the things that they do in the highest possible consciousness. Mm. And forgive my ignorance, but what is Vedic knowledge? What does that refer to? Well, interestingly enough, the, the knowledge of India is in a language. The best way to think of it is think of it as a programming language. So the programming language of India is called Sanskrit. And Sanskrit is the precursor to Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. So the reason scientists use Latin as a scientific language is that it's very precise. Mm. Sanskrit is many times more precise than Latin. It has 4,000 grammatical rules. It's so precise that it was able to hold exactly the meaning of knowledge from 10, 15, 20,000 years ago without losing anything. So this means it's a link, a broadcasting link to the ancient times so that the things that they learned and knew then have actually been able to reach us now, today. So that Sanskrit is then in a library of knowledge called the Veda. And Veda means to see. It's the root of our English word video. Because the English words are rooted in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. via Latin and via Greek Mm -hmm. and then back into Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. So it means to see. So the Vedas, think of it as a library of knowledge Mm -hmm. that lets you see the truths that are not immediately visible Mm -hmm. and download them and then implement them. Mm. And so it's the basis of the whole knowledge of India. Think of it as a large library. Right. A sort of database. It's a a database. (laughs) A database. (laughs) All right. Now tell me about um, the book itself. Um, what it's, it's, first of all, it's lovely. The, the cover is lovely. And then it also has these illustrations, which are almost like a comic book. Yeah. Uh, because they were done very quickly. They're that particular kind of 
graphic novel illustration. Mm -hmm. But there are two stories in the book that are the stories of the Avatar. So as in James Cameron's film, he used the word Avatar in its simplest meaning, going back and forth between a body. Mm -hmm. But the original meaning of Avatar is a descent into our world of beings from the transcendental world that is invisible to us to instruct us on reality that's beyond our sight and to save the earth at a very difficult time when it's endangered. So though that art is taken from two different famous avatar stories from India, mm -hmm. the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, mm -hmm. which are the two big avatar stories. Okay. Now, and uh, the book is launching on the 29th of June. 29th of June, and it's also now been uh, picked up all over the world, and it's being published uh, including in, uh, in Germany. Tell us about that. German versions coming out on um, July 17th. Um, it's now in Italian, going into Russian, German. Um, we understand that uh, the French are looking at it, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese. So just as the film went around the world, it appears that the interest in this is also going around the world. Right, and this English uh, version is already into its second print. Second printing, 25,000 have already been purchased uh, pre-launch, so they're going into a second printing now. So like the film, uh, there's a huge interest right now. People want to know what is Avatar and how can we retrieve the secrets of living on the planet that could be the medicine to balance the very amazing but dangerous powers that science has released. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me about the launch that's coming up. It's not a typical launch of a book. What makes it different? Well, first of all, we're having some really stellar persons present there. The MC is Pete McCormick, who's a feature filmmaker who just won four Leos, uh, Best Film and Best Director, uh, Best Cinematography, for his feature film, Facing Ali. Uh, Pete's uh, a screenplay writer, film director, uh, musician, lyricist. He'll be playing some of his songs that night. He'll be the MC. Uh, Cynthia Black from Beyond Words, Atria Books, the branch of Simon & Schuster, uh, publisher of the book, is going to be there giving a talk uh, and explaining the sort of larger perspective on things. She's the one that did The Secret. It sold five million copies. And so this is the next book that they're doing following that success. Mm -hmm. um, so the other special thing about the evening is we're going to have both a an upstairs talk and Q&A, and then we're going to go downstairs and have social time uh, because there's a downstairs hall as well as an upstairs. And then the tickets to the event include a free book. So the book is included for the, the book price of is included in attending. Mm -hmm. This is the best way to do a book launch because <laughs> everyone takes an autographed copy home with them. Excellent, excellent. Thanks very much for coming in, and all the best for the book. Namaste, Adam. I see you, and Namaste. I see you doing great work. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so the book launch is coming up on June the 29th, and it will be at Unity Church, which is 5840 Oak Street in Vancouver. Tickets are $35, or VIP uh, seats are available for $65 per person. Gift bags, are, gift bags are provided for the first 60 VIPs. Doors open at 6 p.m. Come early to socialize and meet our sponsors. Chai will be served, it says. Celebration from 9.30 to 11, downstairs, appetizers and beverages, reception, signing, and shopping. Yes. And, of course, you get, as you heard, uh, a copy of the book 
it's included. So for more information, go to spiritualteachingsoftheavatar.com. All right, we'll be right back. We have one more feature for you, and we will actually, we're going to give away those tickets right, uh, right now as I go into the break. So if you want two tickets to imprint, uh, Turning Point Ensemble's uh, production of Imprint, which is a mix of orchestral music and multidisciplinary art that's happening at SFU Woodward's next week. Uh, these tickets are for the Saturday matinee, which is on the uh, which is on at 2 p.m. So if you want tickets to that, give me a call. It is 604-822-2487. That number again is 604-822-2487. Eight seven. We'll be right back. CITR 101.9 FM is proud to support Car Free Vancouver Day and the Vancouver People's Summit on Sunday, June 20th. Commercial Drive, Main Street, Kitsilano, and the West End will become car-free neighborhoods. People will take back their streets with food, music, art, street theater, and more. The Vancouver People's Summit is on Main Street between 30th and 33rd Avenues. It is part of At the Table, a global movement of civil society groups calling on citizens everywhere to take their place at the G8 and G20 Summit tables. The summit will send a strong message to world leaders meeting in Ontario that Canadians want action to end poverty, stop climate change, and create a globally that works for everyone. Car Free Vancouver Day, June 20th, 12 to 8 p.m. Main Street, Commercial Drive, Denman Street, and West Broadway in Kitsilano. For more information, visit carfreevancouver.org. The Vancouver People Summit on Car Free Main Street on June 20th between 30th and 33rd Avenues. For more information, visit vancouverpeoplesummit.ca. All right, by day... Connolly Farr is an architect, but by night he is Mississippi Live, and Mississippi Live is pleased to announce the release of their self-titled debut tomorrow at the Wise Hall. This will be a double CD release party with David Newberry. I spoke with Connolly Farr, and he told me about um, the connection between music and architecture, and explains if there is one. And he also talks about um, his roots. Um, he moved to Canada two years ago from Mississippi, partly to escape the political climate um, and culture down there. And um, as you'll hear, he, he had to struggle a bit to when I asked him if uh, what is it that sort of made him come back to blues music? Uh, and what about the difference between being in Vancouver and being um, in Mississippi? And he had to really had to to think out loud. So here is our conversation. So uh, tell me about the uh, the double release tomorrow. What's what's going to happen? So uh, basically, myself and David Newberry are both releasing a, a CD tomorrow, and uh, we both cut the CD at the same time with John Wood, who just uh, cut Rodney Cruz's latest CD. So. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and, and uh, David and I, we, you know, it's been really cool. Like uh, John just kind of took different uh, different uh, avenues on both albums, and so uh, you know we've kind of walked the path together in that respect. So it's, uh, I'm really excited about doing the show together. So, mm-hmm. and tell me about the the night itself. 
Um, well, I go on at nine, and I will be playing with my new band, uh, the Dirty Dirty, and uh, that includes uh, Mr. Ben Yardley on on lead guitar, who uh, he's previously played with uh, like Chinatown and a bunch of other bands around the city, and uh, I've also hooked up with uh, Jay Johnson, a drummer, and uh, he's played with uh, Harold Nix and the Blue Shadows, and um, we just kind of got together and just started jamming it out. So it'll be it'll be fun. We'll do about half a set from uh, the CD that I think you have or that you've heard, and uh, then we're going to be doing some new stuff off of the album that we're going to record in the end of June, which is more bluesy and rocky. So yeah. Speaking of which, how how do you describe your sound? Um, uh, it's it's kind of it's gotten a lot more bluesy with the band, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, with John, it was a pretty straightforward acoustic kind of. It's a very minimal album, just a lot of acoustic instruments like banjo and harmonica and the organ and whatnot. Is it? Um, would you say that it's very much uh, connected and sort of rooted um, to Mississippi, where you're originally from? Uh, it's some aspects of it, more to home. Uh, it's connected more to home, I guess. Than you know, and home for me is is uh, you know, happens to be where you know, home is. I guess family in a lot of respects and and family is Mississippi. Um, so I guess, I guess yes, in that respect, that I'm always kind of reminiscing or, <laughs> or wondering if I made the right decision to leave home and family. And, um, but yeah, you know, it's like I, I moved up here and I got really interested in the blues. You know, said I did, you don't know, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And it's like, you know, I never really looked at the blues. And, and uh, so I guess my, and I really like the the kind of freedom in terms of uh, the in terms of vocals and 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 song structure. There was it seemed to be a kind of lack of uh, it's so loose, right? And and what would you say is the the biggest difference, or some of the biggest differences between Mississippi and here? Like you say, um, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. So you must have found uh, you must have been struck by by some differences. Um. Well, you know, I came up. I, the reason that I left this, that I left the state, was more of a, you know, I just didn't really like what was going on in the political sense. Like I, I had a hard time living in a place that I didn't, I didn't agree with, hmm. and uh, so um, I don't know if I necessarily came up here and and I was kind of longing for home in that respect. It was kind of I was kind of wanting to get away from there, mm-hmm. um, just. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like. Um, I, I kind of miss the shoot. I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I grew up out in the country, right? And and so, uh, yeah. I guess uh, last year it kind of hit me. I, I was I was like riding the bus one day, and I was kind of like I was just overwhelmed by all the people, and and it hit me that for 25 years of my life I've lived in the country where you know the nearest house was half a mile away, and and here I am like for two years kind of locked in this city with all of these people and mm-hmm. and it's uh i think it's overwhelming in in some respects so you know i like to get out to the country and i can and i miss that you know kind of being able to walk for 15 20 minutes and you know not even not even see a house mm-hmm. and i understand you are an architect as well as a musician how does yeah. that uh, is there any connection at all between architecture and and music or are they completely vastly different fields 
Um, actually, I think they're I think they're inherently the same, or at least the process, mm-hmm. right? That idea of of of, of coming up with. Uh, Kind of having a spark and, and nurturing it, revisiting it, and taking away and adding to. I mean, it's. I find the the process is inherently, uh, inherently the same. It's really interesting. But I didn't know that before I went into the studio with John. So that's uh, that was Connolly Farr, and he will be playing uh, at the Wise Hall tomorrow uh, with David Newberry and also with Rodney Decru and his convictions. And I should add that um, that Connolly's band is uh, called Dirty Dirty, and they will be there as well. Um, and you should also know that at 8 o'clock tonight, um, they will be here um, on Folk Oasis with Val Cormier, and they will be playing their lovely songs. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, that's all we have for today's show. We're, we're very late. We're, we're over time. Um, so I will leave you with the traveling song um, by Mississippi Live. Thanks for listening, and join us next week for another exciting episode of the Arts Report here on CITR, 101.9 FM, Real to Real is next. <laughs>